Lovely day for tennis, eh? Game set and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Well, welcome aboard to Tennis Talk Canada. Jim Taddy and Ken Christina with you, getting you set for the Australian Open. And the way we're going to operate this year at this point is we'll do a show prior to a slam, like the Aussie Open, which starts on Sunday, and then a show after to wrap it up. So that'll take us to the final weekend in February. Ken Christina is the director of tennis at the Mayfair Clubs. Uh, coming up in the broadcast, we'll have Michael Downey, the president and CEO of Tennis Canada. Mark Rowe from the TSN Tennis Department, the head man there, will stop by extensive TSN coverage starting on Sunday. And we'll hear from... Rebecca Marino, her first slam in eight years, and this was a segment that Mark Masters put together for Bell Let's Talk Day, and uh, quite an emotional climb for Rebecca Marino. Ken, how are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Happy to uh, be back on the air talking tennis and uh, looking forward to the coverage coming up over the next two weeks of the Australian Open. It's going to be absolutely outstanding to watch tennis again and then watch it with, uh, I guess, they'll have some fans in the stands, so... They seem like they've done things fairly well over there as far as uh, getting the pandemic under control. So uh, it should be uh, some exciting matches for sure. And there's plenty to watch. I mean, we have seven singles opportunities, and, and we'll explore that later. The first thing I want to ask you, though, is locally, you know, various stages of lockdown since we last talked, which would have been uh, October. So how are things going locally? Well, right now, locally, t tennis is shut right down right across the entire province of Ontario. Um, we were able to run some high performance programs for kids kind of on the path of national um, level tennis championship, national level tennis. And that ended on December 24th um, for about five days prior to that, the 19th of December to December 24th, we were allowed to run that. And then... Um, most clubs made a decision before the government actually made the decision to say, look, we're, we have to do a better job in assisting trying to get these numbers under control, especially in the GTA, Peel area, York region, etc. So uh, most clubs ended up shutting down right then. A few clubs stayed, stayed open and then shut down the week after. But uh, So we've been locked down basically since then with no tennis. There's been tennis going on in the city just nothing of an indoor variety. And uh, it's been tough, real tough for kids that are, you know, chomping at the bit to get back out there or adult players that use it as a way of exercise and keeping themselves fit and, you know, keeping their minds sharp too. And, you know, the friendships and things like that. I've seen some guys that I know in the tennis world at Mayfair clubs, me that in the initial stages, kind of into maybe the early part of January, meeting for coffees in the parking lots of of their tennis club, whether it was Mayfair or other clubs, and you know, in two different cars and just having a coffee and, and shooting the breeze uh, that way. So it's it's important for people to keep those connections, and it's it's been a tough grind for everybody. But uh, you know, it looks like we're on the on the right side of making things a little bit better across uh, Ontario and across the country. So that's good to see. I've got a couple of things scribbled down here: uh, garage door and teaching. What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, so um, at Mayfair, we've started a show kind of like this, called Tennis Talk. Um, we do it once a week, sometimes twice a week, um, and typically it's just been getting people together on Zoom or another um, media platform similar to that, where we've just talked tennis. Sometimes we've talked, you know, your favorite players, the greatest players, the best players. We've had some debates about 
you know, who's the greatest, but even though maybe that woman was the best, was she the greatest because of how she behaved or how she did this or how she did that? And the same on the men's side. Um, but we've also done some things on Zoom. So this past week, Jim, for our listeners, they'll get a kick out of this. Uh, with Zoom, I set up a tennis court on my garage door. So I taped it all out with painter's tape. I had these big magnets that were the people. And I set my tripod out front. It was some cold in my driveway, let me tell you. And uh, I talked tennis. I talked doubles positioning, Australian open formation for when you're serving. Lots of uh, ideas about what to do with return of serves and things like that. And uh, moved the magnets around and, and took questions from our, our um, members that were in the Zoom call. And it was an awful lot of fun. I don't know that I did it for about 25 minutes. I don't know that I could do that for a whole hour. But, uh, you know, I'm missing the tennis bug. So it was kind of fun to do it and teach a little bit in, in the driveway. My neighbors, I'm, I must tell you, thought I'm a bit of a kook, but that's okay. Well, two tips. Um, make sure nobody drives by and beeps. And the other one is if you could get some sort of a, a, a TV light. You know, when we used to do stuff in television on the outside, you'd find it. We used to call it a sun gun. You'd find that sun gun and just park yourself right, right in front of it so you wouldn't freeze. That's a great idea. I, I'm going to have to look into that. The problem with too much light is, as a bald guy, you know, there's an awful lot of glare. So you've got to be somewhat careful with the uh, with the bounce back. Tuke, <laughs> Tuke, my friend. <laughs> All right, let's get into the seven opportunities at the Australian Open. And right off the top, two um, are tug at your heartstrings for different reasons. Uh, Rebecca Marino, her first slam in eight years, and, and we'll hear her speak later on. And then Bianca Adrescu is, is back finally. And, and it's been an emotional climb for different reasons for her so your thoughts on both of them well really happy to see Rebecca back on tour and back in a slam I think she came back in around uh, middle of 2018 uh, she's you know she certainly has had some struggles she she coming back onto the tour and then her father was sick he had cancer unfortunately he passed away away and she's really uh, you know had some struggles along the way she's battled some more injuries she had a foot injury last year um, but this young lady, she's 30 years old now, can still play some very good tennis. She's got an outstanding serve. It's a big weapon for her. Uh, she's playing against an Australian uh, girl by the name of Kimberly Burrell. They've never played before. Now, even though Kimberly's ranking is quite high at, at number 624, um, she's won two ITF singles titles. You know, she's playing on home soil. Uh, the crowd that will be there will be really behind her as a wild card into the draw. Um, but for Rebecca Marino, it's her first slam in eight years, as, she, as you mentioned off the top. Um, she had a high ranking, career high ranking of number 38 in the world. So she can play with the best of them. Um, and I, I really, I, I saw her playing, I guess it was last week, and her knee was taped up and it looked like the movement was a little bad. I'm hoping that was just a minor uh, flare up and she's uh, back ready to go. But I look to see her win this match, and I, and I really, I really hope that uh, Rebecca starts to go deep in a lot of these events. She uh, she really is a special young lady, and uh, it's it's just great to see her back on tour after some struggles. Um, it's nice to see that she's feeling strong and she's um, equipped to deal with some of the issues that she struggled with in the past. And uh, this is going to be a great event for her. I'm sure she's thrilled to be there. Um, so. Uh, you know, I'm sure Canada will be cheering her on on TSN, that's for sure. And uh, Bianca, nice to see her back. Yeah, nice to see Bianca back. You know, the number eight seed. I think uh, we were all a little bit disappointed that she pulled out of the, the tune-up event prior to, but she just felt that coming out of quarantine, she wasn't ready. 
and she was in quarantine because on the flight uh, to Australia, her coach, after they landed Sylvain Bruneau, tested positive for uh, coronavirus. So the entire flight had to quarantine and was not out, allowed out of their rooms to play. So I think based on the injuries that she's had and things like that, I think it was the smartest move. You know, it's always a little bit of alarming uh, when you see somebody pulling out of the event. But even the ones that were in the event, a bunch of the top ladies pulled out of the semifinals uh, uh, yesterday or today. I always, it's always a struggle to figure out what day it is when it's Australia. But they've, uh, they've pulled out for the same reasons. You know, they want to be 100% ready to, to participate. Um, her first round match is not an easy one. She's playing um, a young Romanian lady who had a career high ranking of number 20 in the world back in 2018. She's a lefty which is a little bit awkward to come back and start playing against the lefty. Uh, it shouldn't really phase Bianca because she moves the ball around the court so well. But um, they have played twice before in 2015. Um, both, I, I'm not sure the, the correct pronunciation, but Bozar Narescu defeated Bianca 6-love, six 6-2 six in the Tevlin Challenger in Toronto. And in September of 2019 in Acapulco, Bianca got her revenge, beating her 6-2-7-5. So it's not going to be a walk in the park, but I think it's a nice test for Bianca to come back as the tournament's eighth seed and, you know, get her feet wet, but not really too, too much of an easy match. She's really going to have to, you know, put the pedal to the metal, so to speak, to, to win out there. And, uh, you know, none of our Canadians got very easy draws, that's for sure, other than maybe Rebecca Marino. Um, but there are no easy draws in, in Grand Slams, as, uh, as most fans will attest to. But great to have Bianca back out there. It's, uh, she's a joy to watch and a joy to uh, listen to in her press conferences, that's for sure. I was just looking at the opening draws. Pospisil against uh, Medvedev, ranked number four. That's the toughest one, isn't it? Yeah, you know, I feel badly for Vashik Pospisil. And, and, you know, he was kind enough to come on our show some time ago. You'll remember, uh, uh, Jim, and many of our listeners will remember, he was in Paris, I think, driving on some crazy street. Um, you know, he's ranked 61 in the world. He's taking on the number four seed. But, you know, Vasa can play with the best of them with a career-high ranking of number 25 in the world. These two have played three times uh, against each other, always on hard courts. Um, Medvedev uh, won their first um, matchup against each other in 2019, 7-6, 7-5 in Shanghai. Uh, the next year in 2020, Vasek won 6-4, 6-3, again on hard courts in Rotterdam. And then in Vienna, uh, Medvedev beat him 6-2 in the third uh, later on in 2020. So it's, um, it, it is a tough matchup. Vashik certainly seems to get tough draws and slams over the years. Um, but, uh, you know, he's been playing well. In November, he lost in the finals in Bulgaria to Sinner, 7-6 in the third. So, uh, you know, again, he's come out of two weeks. He was, he was also had to quarantine for the full two weeks. He wasn't allowed, allowed to practice or allowed out of his room, but... In true Vashik fashion, he had great um, Instagram tweets and everything else. So we were able to see what he was doing in there and hitting some tennis balls and shadow swinging and all kinds of stuff. So tough match, but he can hang with the best of them. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win that in a tough uh, five-set battle. And what are your thoughts on uh, Leila and Fernandez against the 18th seed Burtons? Well, again, another tough draw for the young Canadian, yeah. but, uh, you know, Leila Annie Fernandez can, can play some awfully good tennis. She just uh, defeated Sloane Stevens again. I think it was her third time, at least her second time, but I think her third time she's beaten Sloane Stevens. So this will be a tough test for her. I mean, Mertens is um, no slouch. 
she was 17 and 10 on hard courts in 2019. Didn't play as much, of course, in 2020 as much of the world didn't. But Leila Annie Fernandez, the same year, was 37 and 12 on hard courts. So it's going to be a tough uh, test. They've never played against each other before. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities of seeing an upset here by the young Fernandez. She's certainly been playing well. Um, you know, the biggest thing for her, her Achilles heel is that serve sometimes kind of wanders on her a little bit. So if she serves well, the rest of her game is always there. It always seems to be on. She's such a great uh, counter puncher and, and uh, counter attacker, uh, defender with, with the best of them. So it'll be a tough match. But I think this is one that might surprise Canadians when we're watching this. I think she can win this. It'll be tough, though. Okay, we're going to make way for Michael Downey, President and CEO of Tennis Canada. That's next. This is Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050 and the TSN Radio Network. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back to Tennis Talk Canada. Jim Taddy and Ken Cressida with you. And now we go to the head office. The President and CEO of Tennis Canada is here, Michael Downey. Michael, thank you for your time. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Uh, so the, the news is National Bank becomes the title sponsor of Montreal and Toronto tournaments. It's always tough to say goodbye to an old sponsor, but welcoming a new sponsor is the best tonic, isn't it? Well, it sure is, but do keep in mind that Rogers is staying engaged. So they just kind of flip positions where National Bank used to be the presenting partner, and it's now the title, and Rogers is going to shift to presenting. So uh, we feel really, really good that we've got these two uh, Canadian institutions behind tennis. Yeah, National Bank, Michael, has really stepped up. I know for, for the coaching side of things, they've even gone as far as doing a deal with our Tennis Professionals Association to assist coaches in, in paying their annual fees to be members of the TPA. And uh, I know they stepped up and did some things with um, uh, some of our lesser-ranked players. And uh, I guess um, the, the question kind of is, did, did you see this coming over the years with, with National Bank being a presenting sponsor and then wanting to, to become so much more involved in the sport in this country? Ken, we actually did. They've, they've always been interested in our property. They've been with us 15 years. They actually shed a lot of other properties to focus on tennis. So we knew they were interested to be title, and uh, we're really pleased that they've gone on board. And if I may say, just to build on your point, um, part of the reason we love that they're behind tennis is not only because they want to be uh, title sponsor to the National Bank Open for the next 10 years, but they really want to give back to the sport. And you highlighted two really great areas early on when they supported players outside the top 100 during COVID. And then they recently did cover the, uh, the membership fees for coaches in the Tennis Professionals Association because they know there's other elements of tennis that need help. And if I may, you know, the deal also is a lot broader than the National Bank Open. They're going to make a, a significant commitment to help us grow women and girls tennis. Uh, and they're also going to continue to be titled to all these challenger events across the country, which have been really instrumental in helping our Canadian players get a leg up. And, and actually, over the next 10 years, we're going to add a couple challengers because they wanted to see that field grow. So it is multidimensional, uh, great support, great for tennis in Canada. 
Gee, Michael, I mean, growing and nurturing, uh, given the economic climate, uh, that that's a, a really fascinating and, and uh, special combo because not everybody's going to be able to do that. You have to be thrilled with that. Oh, we really are. You know, I had a board member who mentioned to me once when we were close to signing the deal that, you know, Michael, in the scheme of things, what what a better time to have your bank as your title sponsor because, you know, not only are they going to be investing as a sponsor, but they've got our back. And uh, very early on, Louis Vachon, their CEO, said to me, look, Michael, we're going to get this deal done, and then we're also going to give you the loan that you need to, to help get out of this trough that's being created by COVID. As you guys know, you know, we finished last year losing a little less than $17 million when we lost the two tournaments. And quite frankly, this year, if, if we only get to stage broadcast-only events, and there's that chance, we'll lose another five. So at the end of the day, to have the bank behind us so we can get the type of loan that we can work our way out of this hole, it is, uh, we're very lucky in that regard, and it looks really good for tennis in the future. Yeah, that's huge to have them on board because I know there's so many companies that are struggling through this. And, and we all know in the tennis world, you know, we need to, to all kind of dig in and help Tennis Canada and our provincial association as well. What do you see the future? Have, have you had talks? Is there any talk with the ATP and the WTA Tour about date changes, keeping the same dates, spectators? Is it kind of month to month you're taking it right now? Where, where are we with that, Michael? No, it's a good question. And, you know, the two guys that lead our tournaments, Gavin Ziv and Eugène Lapierre, they're, they're in basically weekly dialogue with the tours. But they're actually probably talking to government even more uh, often because at the end of the day, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll follow the tours policy here because, you know, they control our sanction. But the real decision making is going to come at the municipal, provincial and federal level. Because we've got to make sure that we can get the players into the country. We've, you know, we've got to be able to work around that 14-day quarantine. We think that will happen by the time August comes around. But we also have just got to make sure that we keep the, the environment safe, whether there's no fans there or not. Even if it's broadcast only, I think, you know, on average, we could have 500 to 700 people on site every day because we're, we're staging a tennis tournament, including the players and the coaches and the, the, the umpires and the, the officials and, and other volunteers on that end. So we're in daily contact. We're very optimistic. You know, I think one of the advantages we have is we're out in August. And, you know, that's still, what, you know, six, seven months away, and we're going to learn a lot from other tournaments, but we're also going to see, you know, hopefully we turn the corner on this crisis over the next few months as we all get vaccinated later in the spring. All of these type of things will make it easier for us to stage a tournament, but quite frankly, we don't expect to be staging a regular National Bank Open. There will not be 330,000 fans in Montreal and Toronto. That's not going to happen until we've got herd immunity and that's not likely to happen until the fall, the latest we've heard. But we're optimistic it'll be a great event, hopefully with some limited fans. Well, that's that's great news. And before I get to the next question, I know that every, there's lots of people out there that don't read everything, unfortunately. They don't read the posters. They don't read the media, the posts and this and that. But it will be the men again in Toronto for, for 2021, correct? 
Yeah, so we when we we didn't cancel the tournaments last year, we actually postponed them. And that allowed us to keep the men in Toronto and the women in Montreal. And that's what we wanted to do, uh, keep, and that's what the tours were, were happy with. So next August, the men will be hitting, you know, led by Felix and Dennis and Milos. And in Montreal, Bianca will get to defend her title from 2019. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, now, I know that I was fortunate enough to spend some time online with you and Milos and I and Caroline Wozniacki. We had uh, for the people listening, we had a fun little kind of Christmas holiday gathering for the Tennis Canada uh, staff. And it was a it was a fun day outside of that. Have you had much contact with the players through this? Um, you know, both our top guns and then, the you know, the lower rank players. How is how are they have they been doing from from your uh, from your standpoint? Well, you know, I've talked to a, a few of them, and I know, you know, other people in Tennis Canada have talked to the others. You know, I think I think one thing, they're all really looking forward to being at the Aussie Open. Uh, you know, it's going to be special with 30,000 fans a day, and it's Grand Slam, and it's a kickoff to the year. And, uh, you know, I talked to Milos a few times, and he's he's really raring to go and be ready. And, I, you know, I think had a, a good run at the ATP Cup. I know Rebecca Marino, like, you know, she probably surprised the world by qualifying, but I think, I think um, she got her game ready in Vancouver. She was practicing in our, with our juniors in, in Vancouver for a long time, working with Oda Jacob. But I also think in her case, she's, she's out to, to, to remember her father, who she obviously lost recently, and, and we're really hoping she has a great run. So I think, you know, in Bianca, I've talked to uh, Bianca's coach, Sylvan. You know, they obviously had the, the incident where they've had to be in tight quarantine in the hotel rooms for 14 days, uh, you know, but they're raring to go too. Like, you know, I think all of Canada, all of the tennis world is waiting to see Bianca come on back and compete after 15 months. And uh, let's hope she just has a great run because I know we, the sport needs her on the court. Uh, Michael, just one more before we let you go. I'd like to get a sense of, because of these two tournaments we're talking about for Canada, one's in, in Montreal, obviously, and one's in Toronto, so different health jurisdictions. Uh, you know, going forward, it's almost like you have to sort of redo your planning almost on a weekly basis. It must be a bit of a logistical nightmare. It really is. For the two tournament teams, you're right. Like, at the end of the day, you know, Toronto has to seek city of Toronto and province of Ontario approvals and Montreal obviously is Montreal and Quebec and they are moving targets and it's not a it's not the fault of government like at the end of the day the conditions keep changing and the, the key is just trying to stay ahead of it we are working in parallel with other events both in Toronto and Montreal that are you know outdoor sporting events whether it's the, the golf tournament that'll take place in uh, in June in Toronto, you know, we're working together with other events. So when we're talking to government, we're kind of coming as a group versus a bunch of one-offs, and that makes the government's job a lot easier. Because let's be serious, you know, in addition to answering our questions about public health, the governments are doing their best to keep everyday Canadians healthy and safe, and now hopefully vaccinated. So we're sensitive to the amount of time that we take from, you know, public health at all the different levels. But they've been there to help us. And as I said earlier, we're very optimistic we're going to be able to put on two great editions of the new National Bank Open in August. But first and foremost, we want to make sure they're safe, 
for the spectators who did get to go, the players, the coaches, the media, because at the end of the day, that, that's, the, that's the highest standard of safety at this point in time. Michael, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Enjoy your weekend. Thank you. Bye now. That's Michael Downey, President and CEO of Tennis Canada. Some stuff to talk about later on, Kenny. That's a, I mean, that, that's a, a real ambitious program to get those two tournaments launched in different provinces. But, you know, I, I like the, the group mentality, not just tennis. It's uh, the, the golf people and, and others are, are in on the same sort of uh, ticket in terms of trying to figure out how to make this stuff work. Yeah, I think it's a really smart move by these events to kind of, you know, he, he talks about it in a positive way of making it easier on the government. But at the same time, you're walking in there with some major sporting events, which will give some good clout. You know, the government's going to listen and try to work with the health department and, and do what's best for the spectators, what's best for the athletes. But it'll be nice to see if we can get something off the ground uh, to kind of start to, to, to get back to a bit more of a norm in a healthy way. That's for sure. Well, we're going to dive into the TSN television coverage of the Australian Open next. Mark Rowe, and he is he's the head man there. He's going to tell us exactly what's going on. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050 and the TSN Radio Network. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back to Tennis Talk Canada. Later on, we're going to hear from Rebecca Marino as she spoke. Bell Let's Talk Day uh, about 10 days ago, uh, and so that was a nice feature that Mark Masters put together, but now the other Mark, Mark Rowe from Tennis Headquarters at TSN, is here. Mark Rowe, how are you today, sir? Uh, Jim, Ken, I am smiling because I get to talk to you guys, but also because we have a Grand Slam tournament, and in uh, this stage of where we are in the world, we don't take that for granted, so uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, our pleasure. And so I, I would assume that, I mean, you're going to be locked in that studio. Uh, do they have a new, did they buy you a new cot? Well, it's funny that uh, the schedules come out for the first day and uh, Dennis Shapovalov at 5 a.m. local time and we're on the air at 7 p.m. the day before. So uh, yeah, there better be a cot. That's my reaction. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, you know, um, Mark, when, uh, when I first did tennis with TSN years and years ago, it was, I believe it was the French Open was the first event that they asked me to, to do some stuff on the radio for. And the hours of play were crazy. So, you, you know, as much as you're looking forward to it, have you been, have you been sleep training so that you're, you're, you're ready for the hours? I, I try. Now, we got a puppy uh, as soon as the French Open ended. And it's, I guess it's like having a young child. Like, he, he doesn't care. So yeah. he barks in the morning. He wants to go out and play. So I should be kind of sleeping in, I guess, uh, at this point. But I, I got up at, I don't know, 9 o'clock today, which isn't bad. But it's not, you know, it's not what I'll be doing, hopefully, over the next two weeks. But, yeah, like, it, and every tournament's a little different as well. You never get enough sleep, but you, the adrenaline of the tournament gets you through the 14 days. Well, train the puppy to like tennis. The ball movement might be hypnotic. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that'll work. Help me understand. Like I get the, the you, you forward me a lot of these emails, but I get the one from the, the tennis headquarters at TSN, and I'm looking at these times, and I go, 
Okay, so there's uh, Raonic at 7 on Sunday, uh, Marino at 7 also uh, on another TSN channel. One's on 2, one's on 3, and then I see another one not before 12 a.m., not before 1 a.m., approximately 4.30 a.m. So I'm assuming that when I see 12 a.m., that's actually our Sunday becoming Monday, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, good. So now, now it makes sense. I know. It's, it's way over our heads, Jim. <laughs> So, Mark, sure I got to tell you, when uh, the ATP Cup was coming on uh, TSN, I guess it started a week ago or so now, I must have had, I, without exaggerating, at least 100 text messages from people in the tennis community just basically saying, thank gosh, tennis is back. So we are really happy to see that. So now we have the Australian uh, coming up, the, the, the big slam down under. Out of the Canadians that are in there and the, and the matchups that you see, what's the first matchup that you see a Canadian playing that uh, is going to be a real barn burner, so to speak, to steal a hockey term? I, I think the obvious answer is, is Shapovalov's first-round match against Yannick Sinner. And I, I think halfway across the world, we could hear Shapo's reaction when the draw came out, and it was something that I probably can't say on radio because, <laughs> you know, he's, he's the number 11 seed, and he faces the 36th-ranked player in the world, and, and Sinner is the highest-ranked teenager on tour and really should, probably should be seeded. And, you know, he's played, you know, made the quarterfinals of the French Open. He's been playing really well in the tune-up event. Um, for this Australian Open, and he's a young star who is going to give Shapovalov, you know, everything. And, and really, it's almost a pick at this point. And, you know, you can look at it. There's positives and negatives to every situation, and it's whatever, you know, you choose to, to use as motivation. Um, but if Shapovalov is able to get through this first-round match, it's a huge confidence booster because you're really tested early on. You just hope that it's not a five-hour marathon because suddenly you're, you know, you have less in the tank and you're hoping to play four or five matches uh, at a Grand Slam or even longer. So that is the one that really, like, whether you're a Canadian tennis fan or not, that is the one that really leaps out on the page as a first-round match that really should be like a fourth round or a quarterfinal. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. The Sunday night card is is fantastic. You'd have to have you have to have all your devices because you're going to watch the Super Bowl on CTV. You're going to do another device to watch Roundich at seven, and then Rebecca Marino also at seven, and then after that, after the Super Bowl and everything else is done, Bianca, and then into the wee hours of the morning, Felix Ali Yassim, and then Dennis Shapovalov will take you right through to breakfast. I mean, that's that's an unbelievable schedule. I know. Um, and yeah, like and as you pointed out, there's some other sporting event going on on Sunday as well. So, uh, but but it, it kind of does, um, you know, time out. And if you're on the West Coast, it works out very nicely because you can watch the Super Bowl and then it probably times right into Bianca's match. And it's there's another one. It doesn't matter who she was going to play in the first round. That was going to be, you know, a highly anticipated match because we haven't seen her in 15 months. And we all want to say this is great, she's back, and she'll go on another run, but who knows what to expect. You haven't played in 15 months, and she is healthy, knock on wood, which is great to hear. Um, I, I like the fact that she has an opponent that she should win even with her B game in the first round, and it kind of allows her to get her, her feet under her, but that, that is exciting. And it wasn't just the fact that she won the U.S. Open, guys. It was how she won it and how she captivated the country and just the entertainment aspect of how she plays it's so fun. 
And it's so good for tennis when she is playing. And it's especially good when you're a Canadian and, and I'll be a little selfish here, a Canadian broadcaster. <laughs> yes. You know, when I was, uh, when I was younger, we never saw this, Mark. Yeah. And I know that, you know, the tennis fans talk about it all the time, but you know, Carling Bassett was there for a little bit. Helen Kelsey was there for a little bit. We had Nestor that was number one in the world in doubles. Grant Connell was number one in the world in doubles. Glenn Michibata was, was up there ranked in doubles, but we've never seen the depth that we're seeing now. And, you know, speaking of depth, we have the number, I think she's number 89th ranked right now. Layla Annie Fernandez taking on the number 18th seed. Now, Mertens, I, I kind of feel like this might be winnable for Fernandez. What's your thoughts on that? I think so, too. I've been really impressed with how she she kind of approaches, you know, the bigger matches. And, you know, think of the French Open when she had to face Petra Kvitova. And, and she lost the match, and that was, you know, she was supposed to lose the match. But she had the big lead early on. And what that told me was, she, you know, she didn't, she wasn't showing the nerves. She wasn't scared of a two-time Wimbledon champion. Obviously, the better player ended up winning the match. But I, I just, and I love the fact that, you know, she had a season full of firsts. And, you know, she played her first U.S. Open. And, you know, after she lost, normally a player would say, ah, you know, I'm just happy that I got this experience. She was pissed off. You know, she didn't think she played well against Sophia Kennan and that she should have, you know, pushed Kennan a little bit harder. So she, as an 18-year-old, already sets the bar really high. And, and that just goes, you know, to what you started off with, Ken, that Canadians aren't just happy to be there anymore. You know, they see what Bianca has done. They see what Milos has done. And Dennis and Felix, you know, why can't I do that? It's that kind of mentality. And, you know, you're not just, you're not just there for the participation ribbon. So I, I actually, I know it's a tough draw for her facing Mertens, but I also love the fact that it's a challenge and she gets to go out there. And again, it's, you know, there's no pressure on her. And I really think that she will push Mertens to the limit. And as you, know, you alluded to, I, I think that she could upset uh, the Belgian as well, which would be uh, another huge milestone win for this young Canadian. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I really like her game. I think she's worked really hard through the through the time off, the, the, the shutdown of the tours. And I think that, uh, you know, great things are ahead. Felix seated number 20. Um, you know, he's certainly playing well right now, uh, deep into the event that he's in. Um, what, what do you take, uh, think about him playing against the number 128 uh, ranked German in the world? And, uh, and how's, how's the matchup looking for him there? You know, it's a matchup that Felix should obviously win. And I think sometimes um, he's his own worst enemy when he's not playing someone at his level and he can go down to their level. And maybe that's just a, a young player's habit. So I think that is his, his biggest obstacle in this match. Um, you know, if, if we see the Felix that we saw at the U.S. Open last year, uh, the one that we have seen in the lead-up matches, uh, including that one against Quentin Moutet, who, you know, he just blew through him once again. He uh, was a young, talented Frenchman. You know, I, I think that he's, he's going on to the second round, and, and we hope to see a Felix Dennis third-round match, which would be, you know, unbelievable, but also crazy. I think that these two would face each other again at a grand slam. They obviously have to win a couple matches to get there, but, um, you know, Felix is he's there now like he it's no he's no longer the you know the rookie and you have a bunch of excuses he's expecting big things um as long as he stays healthy he expects to be in the top 10 um and he has for a while been the face of tennis for that generation and he just signed a big new deal with adidas 
and he is suddenly the face of Adidas tennis, which is a huge honor for a young tennis player. So um, there are a lot of reasons for him to, to face the pressure, but I do think that he has kind of the temperament to handle that pretty well. Mark, really appreciate you stopping by. I hope you get some sleep at some point. <laughs> Jim, Ken, my pleasure. Thanks, guys. Mark Rowe from TSN Tennis Headquarters. Coming up next, we'll hear Rebecca Marino in the feature that was presented on Bell Let's Talk Day. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050 and the TSN Radio Network. You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back to our final segment of Tennis Talk Canada. And a reminder, Sunday night at 7, TSN 2, Roundage plays. Uh, Sunday night at 7 on TSN 3, Rebecca Marino plays. It's her first Grand Slam appearance in eight years. The 30-year-old from Vancouver qualified for that uh, Australian Open performance by winning all three of her matches at a qualifying tournament earlier this month in Dubai without dropping a set. It's been an emotional and physical climb for her, and this is the story that was presented on Bell Let's Talk Day 10 days ago. Let's listen. I'm definitely really proud of myself. I, I think it has been quite uh a challenge and a roller coaster through through life so to to get back and have a moment like this is um really redeeming and i i am quite proud of everything i've accomplished uh, i know some of that is also behind the scenes that people haven't seen but um a lot of it has been sort of public because i try to I try to be open and honest about everything that life has thrown at me tomorrow is uh, Bell, let's talk day, and a lot of folks are, are certainly inspired by your story. What would you say to, to to people who are confronting stuff that you confronted earlier in your career? Gosh, um, well, it, it, it's interesting because I, I think back to that period of my life, and I, I almost feel like I was a different person. So, um, what I would tell other people is that you know, um, that period of of your life is um, is not forever, and if you do the right things to to get yourself in a, a better mental state um whether it's just talking or or um other different uh steps to to take care of your mental health it's it's obviously very important and i feel like uh had i not done that i wouldn't be in this position i am right now perhaps tennis has changed but i think also in the time period uh since then i've matured and changed a lot and i've added a lot of um different things in my life, having gone through university and diversified my friend group and sort of planted roots and support in Vancouver. So it's hard for me to say if necessarily the tour has changed. I feel like there are a lot more resources for players um, in terms of the WTA does offer um, some psychological support if we do need it and the resources are readily available for us. Um, so I think in that sense, it's it has changed positively. Um, there's also change amongst the players in that, um, you know, we're a lot more open and um, we talk a lot more with each other and it's a lot more social. So I feel like um, the structure is in place for players to feel a lot more supported um, to, yeah, to, to go forth in their career, even if there are some challenges um, ahead of them. So, yeah, I, I feel like there have been some positive changes both on tour and in terms of um, my own personal life and in terms of the year and a half of injury uh it was very challenging for me um i wasn't sure if i'd actually be able to compete pain free again um because it was quite a, a difficult injury um i tore the plantar fascia in my my foot 
Um, so it wasn't um, plantar fasciitis, which people often kind of complete it with. Um, it, it was actually a tearing of the the, the tissue. So um, it was, I, I had to start with crutches. Um, I couldn't put any pressure on my foot. And then that transitioned into walking with a boot for about two months. Um, I could barely walk for about uh, 15 minutes, transition to 30 minutes to an hour. So it was a really long process. Um, and then, yeah, it, it was just building up that strength over time. And so by about um, March, April of 2020, I was able to start getting on, on court again to try to try to hit. And then through the summer and into the fall, was just trying to get more time on court. And um, by about September of last year, I was finally at a point where I felt um, I wasn't having any pain on court, um, nor was I getting pain um, after practice. So I was, I was realizing that um, I was able to get back to tennis soon. And I just used those few months until now um, to really get uh, a, a lot of training and conditioning to get my, my body and, and tennis back. I don't think my game style has changed all that much. Um, I still have the big serve and uh, big baseline ground strokes. I think I've tried to add a little bit more craftiness as the game has kind of changed a little bit, adding a little bit more slice. Occasionally we'll come to the net to volley to finish points off, but um, I think the biggest difference would be just um, more in terms of like a competitive, competitive spirit and also like a, um, uh, how would I say it? Like a determination or a, a grittiness. Um, I feel like I'm a lot mentally stronger now and, um, and yeah, I guess that's, that's the only major change that I've noticed is, um, I'm just like really want it right, right now. That is Rebecca Barino and, uh, and Ken, uh, you know, sometimes you forget, uh, out of sight, out of mind, uh, the, the, first of all, the, the physical injury, the rehab is, is monumental to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you, you don't realize, I think, or we take for granted sometimes a, our own health or, or, you know, I, I think that, you know, you see these athletes and you think that they have the best of the best taking care of them all the time, but that's not always the case in the, in the tennis world or in the golf world where it's such an individual sport. And, you know, she, she certainly has had some struggles, um, both physically and, um, you know, she, she battled, uh, uh, psychologically as well. And I think, you know, by listening to that, you realize that, you know, she said it best. I'm, I'm a different person now than I was back when I was 22, 23. And, um, you know, she did the right thing. She sought help. And that's important for everybody to hear those words and to, to, to seek help, whether it's on a physical side or a mental side, whether you're an athlete or not an athlete. And, uh, you know, Sunday night at seven o'clock, Canada, you better be cheering on this, this 30 year old from, from British Columbia, because, uh, she's worked awfully hard and overcome a lot of obstacles to be back out there again. And, and, and as you mentioned earlier, Jim, it's been eight years since the slam. So I like her draw. She's just got to finish it off and move on uh, past that into the second round. So all of Canada, I'm sure, will be cheering for Rebecca Marino. Okay, about 30 seconds left before we have to bail out. So in terms of the opening of this event, first of all, nice to have a grand slam, but what are you most looking forward to? 
You know, I'm most looking forward to seeing uh, our young Canadians compete again on the on the main stage. I want to see how well Raonic can serve on the hard courts. It seems like the surface is going to be up his alley. Happy to see Bianca back. I mean, there's so many storylines. It's it's great to see. And, uh, you know, we're very lucky as Canadians to have this much depth out there. And we're very lucky as Canadians to have TSN showing it on so many channels. So it's going to be great to see. And you and I, Jim, get to sit back for two weeks and watch it and enjoy it like the rest of Canada. That's a, that's thrilling. It is. I want to thank everybody for stopping by. I hope you enjoy Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050 and the TSN Radio Network.